Hello everyone. I'm your Tilaka Kumar, the host of Selecta podcast. This podcast is dedicated to inspire and empower women to pursue an excellence in career by filling the gender gap, to live to the fullest of her potential and to achieve financial independence. I will be interviewing amazing successful women sales leaders and entrepreneurs from India and around the globe. Where we discuss their sales journey, their challenges, their wins, and much more. Let's dive in. Hello, audience. Uh, today, it's my great uh, privilege and honor to welcome uh, Mr. Bob Berg. About Bob Berg, uh, he is co-author for four books. That is, uh, Go Giver, Sell More, Influencer, and Leader. and overall all the book has been sold over 2 million copies especially this book i really love this book it is a global best seller book so i recommend all of you to read this book so i welcome bob berg hi bob hello delaga it's just a an honor and a delight to be with you thank you for having me thank you so i just want to before start the questions how it all started the go giver how it all started the book well john david man my excellent co-author and he's really the you know i i call him the lead writer and storyteller because well he was the lead writer and storyteller and he did a wonderful job i'm much more of a how to step by step and while some of the uh, you know original source material came from my original book endless referrals which was a book on helping sales people and entrepreneurs to build relationships with people within their communities that would cause people to want to do business with them and refer them to others the basic premise being that all things being equal people will do business with and refer business to those people they know like and trust but it was a how to book and i thought wouldn't it be great if we could make a story out of it a business parable so i contacted john who at the time was the editor in chief of a magazine i used to write for and he was always so brilliant and had such a great reputation and i just asked him if he would consider being the lead writer storyteller and work with you know co-author work with me on it and fortunately for me he agreed to and uh that's really how it got started and you know we wrote it within a few months the most difficult part was over the next year trying to sell it to publishers who we got rejected i think by 24 of them and then finally the 25th said yes i think we've you know got a, a good book here i think it all starts with failure then the success right hey you know it does i mean uh, you can prepare and you can be ready to do your best but you know uh, like anything in life you go out there and typically success doesn't happen on the first try sometimes it does but not usually i don't think that's something we can depend on I think we can only depend on doing our best to the best of our ability and we learn along the way, we course correct along the way, we speak to enough people along the way, develop relationships along the way and eventually things tend to fall into place. I think this message is really helpful to the audience because here the most of the audience are from sales. Because in sales, you know, they should not feel uh, rejections, failures. I think that is part and parcel. in sales right yeah i mean it is part of it 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 doesn't mean it's fun it's not a great thing to have to experience i don't know anybody who likes to be told no however it just that is what it is and in sales there are a lot more no's than there are yeses as long as we understand that going in 
now when we receive a no, again, that doesn't mean it's going to feel good or that we like getting no's, but we can say to ourselves, okay, I did my best. That person, either the timing wasn't right or they just weren't interested or there's some other reason, but I'm going to move on to the next person and the next person and the next person until finally there's someone who, you know, wants what you have. So, uh, you know, I think that's key. A great friend of mine, Andrea Waltz, she and her husband, Richard Fenton, years ago, wrote a, a business parable called Go For No, where they really reframed the word no or the concept of no. And what they said is, yes is the destination, but no is how you get there. Great. Actually, audience are messaging. Prabhu, he, he read your book three times. Oh, thank you so much. And the Swagatam, he said, it's a great, he could not believe that uh, he's uh, interacting Bob directly. Oh. Message, yeah. The honor is mine. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, Bob, I'm curious to know about the logo. What exactly it resembles? Yeah. Well, the publisher came up with that logo and it's, it's the Greek god, um, well, depending on whether it's Greek or Roman, it's either Mercury or uh, Hermes. And it's the, the god of, of gifts, uh, the god of deliveries, you know, the guy, so in other words, giving, you know, gifts, delivery, and so forth. So that's, that's what it is. I feel it's kind of an angel, you know, angel we yeah. see. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever uh, read this book, like angel will come and give you a lot of sales. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but it would be nice to think that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's let's uh, talk about the go-giver. I, I truly want to tell the audience because I'm interacting with Bob for quite some time, a couple of weeks. He's a real example of giver. So I want to know a little bit about uh, the summary of the book. Like five laws, if you can explain a bit, it will be great. Sure. So the premise of the book, where it all begins, is really that shifting your focus. Okay. And this is, again, where it really begins, shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. And really for very rational, logical reasons. Uh, there's nothing magical or mystical about it. When you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and place it instead on serving others, on making their lives better, on discovering what they want, what they need, what they desire, when you can focus on helping them solve and overcome their challenges and problems, People feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They want to be in relationship with you. They do like you. They do trust you. They want to do business with you directly. They want to tell other people about you. So that's really where it begins. It's that shift in focus off of yourself and onto others. Now, the five laws are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The first law, the law of value, tells us that your true worth, in the business sense, of course, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. That's confusing, though, in a way, because it's a give more in value than you take in payment. Sounds like you're not making a profit. And if you're not making a profit, you're not going to be in business very long. So please know it has nothing to do with that. Go givers make a great profit. What it means is that there's a difference between price and value, right? Price is the money aspect. 
value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user, to the other person. What is it about your product or service or the information you're providing or the help you're providing or whatever it is you're doing? What is it about this that they they love, that they feel they benefit from, that causes them to want, you know, to feel like they're receiving more than what they're paying while you make a very healthy profit, okay? It would be like going into a restaurant. We talk about that in the story, Iafrate's uh, restaurant. Well, it's an expensive restaurant. So you go in there, you might be paying a lot of money for your meal, but the, the food, the presentation, the atmosphere, the ambiance, the, the way the wait staff treats you and the way you're greeted when you come in and when you leave and all the attention and you feel just so great. You made a, you really feel like you received a lot more than what you paid. But of mm-hmm. course, uh, the owner of the restaurant, his cost of goods sold is much less than what he's charging. So mm-hmm. making a very, very healthy profit. So when this is done correctly, when we say give more in value than you take in payment, it means both parties come away profiting. Both parties come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. That's really the law of value. So what we're saying is your product or service is important, but it's the entire experience you're providing, which is key. Okay. Now the law of compensation said, which is law two, says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one is more is about the value you provide, law number two says the more people whose lives you impact with that exceptional value, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Law number three, the law of influence says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place the other person's interest first. Now, when we say that, we don't mean that you should be a doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial. We don't mean it that way. We simply mean that, you know, nobody's going to do business with you because you have a quota to meet. Right. They're not going to do business with you because you want them to or because you need the money or even because you're a really nice person. They're going to do business with you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so, which means your focus has to be on them. It means you have to place their interest even before your own. Now, this is why people will know you, why they'll like you, why they'll trust you. They'll know that you have their well-being at heart. Okay, and there's no better, faster or more effective way to elicit those no like and trust feelings toward you than by genuinely moving from an I focus or me focus to an other focus, looking for ways to make your win actually all about their win. Law number four, the law of authenticity says the the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And in this part of the story, Deborah Davenport, who was the, um, the great salesperson and leader, she shared something she learned in her sales career that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, the technical skills, the people skills, as important as they are, and they are indeed very, very important, but they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. But when you do, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel comfortable with you. 
they feel safe with you. And why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting, right? They're always getting you. And a big part of earning people's trust is consistency. Mm -hmm. And authenticity is a major part of consistency. The reason why so many people don't seem to show up authentically is because they don't have the self-confidence to do so. They don't recognize the true authentic value they bring to the table, both their intrinsic value, which is simply just by being a human being, we bring great value to the table, but also their market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allow you to add value to the marketplace, value to others in a way that you'll be financially rewarded. Now, the good news is we all have these, these assets of value. We all have strengths, okay? We don't have to have one amazing best-in-the-world strength, but we can have a whole bunch of strengths that when put together, they make us very, very valuable to others. Author Scott Adams calls these a talent stack. You're actually stacking your talents on top of each other that help you bring immense value. The challenge, though, is that as human beings, we're so emotionally close to ourselves, sometimes we can't see that which we have inside. We can't see those great traits and talents and character, right? And that's why a coach such as you is so important because you can help people to recognize that greatness that they don't necessarily recognize in themselves. And that's so important. And then law number five is the law of receptivity. And the law of receptivity says that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And Falaga, this really means nothing more than understanding that, yes, you breathe out. Well, you also have to breathe in. It's not one or the other, right? If you want to survive, if you want to thrive, you breathe out and you breathe in. You breathe out carbon dioxide, you breathe in oxygen. You breathe out, which is giving, giving of value to others. You breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin. They're not opposite concepts. They work together. But what we realize, what we recognize is that it begins with the focus on giving value to others. That's just the laws of life. We plant before we harvest, right? We sow before we reap. We give and that puts in motion the receiving process. However, we need to allow ourselves to receive. And because of the message that the world gives us, negative, negative messages about money, about prosperity, about uh, business, right? It, you know, people grow up and they live their lives, whether a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television, movies, where, you know, poor people are portrayed as good and honest and hardworking and wealthy people are portrayed as horrible, miserly, right? Well, that gets in a person's subconscious, right? When you see that all your life and you hear that. So, you know, that can really wreak havoc on an unconscious level and cause us to push away that abundance, okay? Rather than receive it. So we've always got to be constantly working on allowing ourselves to receive. And I believe we need to make a proactive study 
of prosperity. Thank you, Walker, for explaining five laws. Uh, I am sure all the audience are uh, enjoying listening this talk. And uh, one question has been raised by Madhusudan. What is the one thing a person should practice and become a go-giver? What's the one thing people should practice? I would say it's always recognizing that people are going to make decisions based on their own reasons, okay? So often we think that, you know, because we find a product to be of value to someone for certain reasons, that everyone else is going to find that same value in it. But we've got to realize that we're us, we're not our customer. And our product or service may have many, many benefits to it that while they don't, they don't mean a lot to us, they mean a lot to someone else. So we might, let's say, for example, if we're a person who is a, you know, we all have different buying styles and reasons for buying. Some people, you know, well, they're always looking for the low price. Okay. Now, not as many people as it seems. A lot of times people say they're looking for the lowest price, but they're really not. What they're looking for is the most value and something else, but they kind of say low price. But, but there are some people who that really is there. Now, for most of us, those are not people we can really do business with. You know, as a goat giver, you don't want to sell on low price because if you do, you're a commodity, right? We want to sell on high value. So we need to be able to communicate value as opposed to low price. When you sell on low price, you're a commodity. When you sell on high value, you're a resource. But so there are some people who are price buyers. There are some people who are status buyers. They want to buy something because they look good to their neighbors or to someone else. Okay. There are some people who are convenience buyers. That That's me. I'm a convenience buyer. Show me where it's convenient for me and makes my life easier. I'm much more likely to buy it. But if you're not a convenience buyer, let's say, and then there's people who are style buyers. They like the way something, you know, looks for themselves or feels or they like whatever. So let's say you're someone, you sell a product that has a bunch of these different things other than price. We're going to assume the price is a little higher because I want you selling on value, not low price. But let's say it has great style. It brings status. It makes life easier. Okay. And you're the salesperson. I'm the prospect. Well, if you're someone who is a status buyer, let's just say you like things because you like status. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying, let, let's say you were, okay. You might be trying to bring out all the benefits of how good this is going to make me look to others because you're a status buyer. You assume I'm a status buyer. That's how so many salespeople are, but no, you've got to find out from me, what is it I'm looking for? And if you ask the right questions, I'm sure to tell you that I want convenience, <laughs> right? Then you can focus on matching the convenience part of it with me. So I think the biggest mistake people make is thinking people buy as they would buy and for their reasons. So that's why the biggest thing in terms of a, a go-giver salesperson is understanding that selling is simply discovering what the other person wants, what they need, what they desire, what they find to be of value, and then helping them to get. So it is totally a shift. Go-giver is a, it's a shift in the way we sell, the way we discover, the way we understand, serve people. There is one question raised by Swagatam. In today's digital age, how to show people whom I want to help or work with my true intention, which is to help them to get better? Yeah, yeah. great question. Whether it's, whether it's in person or digital online, 
the same principles hold. Now, there are different strategies, right? Because it's a different medium, but the same principle holds. Remember, people don't do business with and refer business to those computers they know, like, and trust, but to people they know, like, and trust. So if we're using technology correctly, we're simply utilizing it as a way to be able to demonstrate and communicate value. So again, how do you connect with someone as you would in, in real life, right? This, well, the same way you ask questions about them. Online, it's easier a lot of times because they have information about themselves that show you where they've been, what they do, what they enjoy, what they're looking for, right? And you can, that makes it easier when you have an online conversation to be able to help that, to, to be able to discover that and be able to help them in certain ways. You can also take the conversation offline. You can send a personalized handwritten note to them thanking them for meeting them and their kind words online. Remember, you can share their post or you can comment on them or you can, you know, so there's all these ways online that we digitally, that we can bring value to another person's life and really create that relationship. I think the underlying message here is ask more questions to understand them more so that you can be a good, great giver. Yes. <laughs> In other way, give, give. To give, you should ask well, right. sure, because you know what's so important about that, what you say, why that's so right on, is because if you're giving in a way that they don't find to be of value, yeah. what good does it do? So that's yeah. why you're exactly what you said. This is why you're such a wonderful salesperson and a great you know, teacher of sales, because it, exactly that's it. You've got to know what they feel is of value. Remember, it's never what we believe is of value, it's what they believe is of value. Unless we're the buyer, then it's what we believe is of value. <laughs> <laughs> My next question, Bob, what I believe in, you know, who are uh, being successful, they're very practice their daily rituals or daily routines, habits. I see the habits play a bigger role for any successful uh, person. So would like to know what is your daily habits, which we can all follow. Well, I mean, my daily habits are different from what others would do. I think we need to do what works for us. One of my habits is that I read every day. So I, I think that's very important to read. But it might also be that you watch TED Talks or you engage in conversations with people that you can learn from and learn with. And, and so there's lots of you know habits. But I get up very early in the morning because it, I like to be able to begin my day. Now, I do something that a lot of people say don't do. I check my, not on my phone, because uh, I don't have my phone near me in my room. Okay. But when I get up, I come downstairs and because my office is in my home and I check, I get on the computer and I check my emails and all my social media because there's a, I have a lot of friends from all over the world like yourself. And so I want to make sure to respond to people on all the various social media platforms. I can kind of get that out of the way and it takes me about an hour to do that. And, and I have my cup of coffee. And so that's a habit I have that works for me. And then my, I have a personal trainer. Her name is Diane. She comes in every morning and uh, works me out and then prepares my breakfast and my meals for the day. So all I have to do is put them in the microwave and they're healthy meals. And that keeps me, it's again, it's a habit I have because that helps me to run my day in a way that's very effective. And then I do my writing, I do reading and I do a lot of interviews and I, I do the things I do. But I think when people say, you know, so what habits would you say? I'd say the ones that are positive and that you're gonna use. <laughs> habits that you want to be habits. Those are the ones. You, that you want to develop. Okay. One question is uh, asked by Prabhu, what is your most impacted book you, you can share with us? Well, that's a great question. I have a lot of books that I, I love. 
So, uh, you know, it's difficult for me to come up with just one single book. There's so many books on sales, marketing, philosophy, religions, politics, uh, you know, I, I marketing. So I, I just love reading. So it's difficult to, you know, to, to come up with any. I'd say one of my favorites is a book written in 1910 called Peace, Power and Plenty by Orison Sweat Marden. He is the founder of Success Magazine, and many people believe he is the, the, the sort of the father of the modern-day personal development movement. And so he talks in the book about you know inner peace, which I think is so important, about power, personal power. It's the mastery we have over ourselves to be able to you know control ourselves and direct our actions and habits to a great uh, end. And plenty, which is abundance. So peace, power, and plenty. And every every page of this magnificent book just has gems on it. I mean, it's just so, so wonderful and amazing. But there are so many great books. This is just one of many that I love. Thank you, Bob. Want to know, uh, since uh, there are women in sales audience also there, and one of my passion is to help women. So what do you think about women in sales, women choosing sales as a career? What do you think about it, Bob? What do I think about women choosing sales as a career? I think it's yeah. wonderful because some one thing about sales is it basically allows you to control your destiny because it's a, how successful you'll be is a matter of how much you're willing to learn, the relationships with people you're willing to create, how focused you can be on providing value and all those wonderful things. So if you, the more people you help, the more money you'll make. Okay. And so I think sales is just a wonderful career for anyone. And, and certainly I, I think it's a wonderful career for women. So there's one question from Madhusudan. When you read a book, what will you be expecting from the book? And how will you implement the learnings? So what I expect from a book, I think that when I, uh, there are a couple of reasons you, you, you buy a book. One is because you have something very specific you want to learn from it. Okay. So uh, let's say, it's a book called uh, The Relationship Edge by Jerry Acuff and Wally Wood. And in this book, which was re recommended to me, he's actually, he's talking about how to build strategic relationships with people. And it's a wonderful book. And so what I look to get out of a book like this is the methodologies and philosophies and principles of a person who has been very, very successful in business by doing these very things. Okay. And I found it, uh, I found it wonderful. So that's what I would expect to get out of that book. And that's why I purchased it. You know, other books, you just hear great things about, you don't know exactly what's in it, but you've heard, this is a book you want to read. So you get it and you find you know, again, some wonderful things from it. So as far as implementation goes, I think that's a choice. And if you feel that the author has provided excellent information and you feel the principles are solid and you feel it's congruent with your personal values, now what you do is you take the information and you just begin to apply it. There's nothing more, nothing less to it. I think it's important to have a bias toward action, okay? So when you learn something good, don't wait till you're perfect at it because you'll never get started and you don't have to be. We can make corrections as we go along. But if you find there's something that is good and beneficial, put it into play. That's how you act on it and that's how you make it part of you. Okay. My next question is, uh, see, especially in sales, there are a lot of challenges. 
what is the bob way of overcoming the challenges how you will overcome challenges challenges with other people or just the challenges of life and business and so uh, business business well i think you learn what to do you find out from people who have done it you find out from people who have more experience in that particular area or even if you have experience but you feel you're too emotionally involved to be able to really figure it out in a way that's that's productive i'll often ask people such as my business partner Kathy Tajanel i'll ask her or uh, my friends David and Matthew who are two mentors of mine my friend Dondi who she's a mentor of mine and i'll ask how do you feel i should approach something like this so we need to be able to ask and receive their advice and be able to right so if we don't know how to do something we find out we learn from people who you know who we know like and trust and respect and uh and then we we put it into action one uh, question very curious to me to ask especially to you is what makes you to genuinely respond to each and every one's comment i've seen in linkedin the day we started why it is so what is making you to respond i think it's this congruent with my values i feel that if person if a person has taken the time to comment on something i've written or they say something kind about you know one of our books or something i just feel as though they should be thanked they should be acknowledged so i think that's the, the reason i do that and what is the secret of bob success just in one sentence one line i don't know if there is any any one secret i think i i try to focus on others i try to be internally motivated and outwardly focused and i really believe you know zig ziglar one of the greatest speakers and sales people and leaders of all time said you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want i think that as long as you're you're constantly focused on the value that you can bring to others you're creating that what we call benevolent context for your own success and how important to have a mentor in life bob oh i think it's very important because but it doesn't have to be one mentor but can be many people right and and some people do have that one mentor who for 10 years you know there but most of us they don't have that but i think we can reach out to ask anyone for advice so long as we do it in a way that's that respects them and respects their time and and so forth by saying to someone you know i i know you're probably very busy if this is not something you have time to do or for any reason would not want to do i'll totally understand i'm wondering if i might ask you one or two very specific questions you know typically most people not everyone but most people will be happy to say sure what what do you need what would you like and then you want to make sure to respect their time to send them a personalized handwritten thank you note afterwards to try to do whatever you can for them to add value to them but yeah i think mentorship is very important because the right mentors can help cut your learning curve by years because they're sharing their life's experience the last question what do you want to leave with on this planet i think it in a sense it comes down to that i'm an encourager by nature and i like to feel as though i've encouraged others and i think that when we can make people feel genuinely good about themselves we're on the right track and that's a good legacy to leave wow wonderful thank you bob it's blessing uh, to have you here I, thank you you're just a you're a wonderful host and i've enjoyed getting to know you i love the work you're doing and how many people you're helping so keep up the great work my friend
Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sell Like Her podcast. Do subscribe and share so that it reaches the maximum women to get benefit by listening successful women's stories. Let's join together and support each other to change the face of sales. Meet you in the next episode. Until then, bye. Take care.